This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. How's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez, and you are listening to the House of Indie Podcast. And I have someone on the line who is, who's, you've been in the industry for quite a bit. We have Todd Black on the line. How's it going, man? Hey, everybody. My name's Todd. Nice to be here. Thanks for letting me into the House of Indie. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Uh, so we uh, we connected over the internet, the, the interwebs, that, that wonderful thing that we were talking about just a second ago, how sometimes it doesn't really uh, act like a friend. But no. this time it, it was it was a good friend to us because we uh, connected over the internet and we got to talking and I said, come on the show, man. So now you're here and uh, we're here to talk about your work in the industry. So, number one, I need to know because I've been talking to some friends and they were asking me who I was talking to this week. And when I mentioned your name, they were like, oh, man, he's been doing this for a, for a while now. So how long have you actually been in doing uh this wonderful medium, uh, the work in this medium that we love? Technically about uh, six or seven years. Um, I started loosely around 2014, and I've been making comics and a few novels ever since. So awesome. it's, been a, it's been quite a ride. Awesome, awesome. And I, I know I, I've, I've saw, seen some of your work. Uh, which one was your very first uh, work that you ever put out? Like That was my superhero series, Guardians. Okay, but before that, have you ever done anything else? Have you like put together like some zines or stuff that you used to peddle like in in cons and stuff like that? Uh, because we know no, about we know about gardens, but, we know about ten thousand miles, we yeah. know about home. Well, the, what really got me started, uh, what got me popular on the internet in a way, was I wrote a fan fiction for the Avatar cartoon series. Okay, I wrote a, a an OC story about the Avatar to come after Korra. And I wrote it just as to get it out of my head because that's okay. what yeah. always happens with my stories. You just get stuck there until I write them down. And then some people were like, no, you need to keep writing this because it was right after season one of Korra. And, of course, we yeah. had 434 days until season two showed up. Not that I was counting. <laughs> but I was like, let's just keep writing this. And eventually I even had like an animated uh, short about the, the, like, the actual title intro for the uh-huh. series. And that has like over 170,000 views on Twitter, my most popular video ever. Nice. And so that just got me the confidence to write stuff. And that led to screenplays, which led to comics. That's, that's pretty amazing. I got to find that video because when uh, I was, I was a big fan of the avatar series and then, and then the movie came out and I was like, Oh, come on, uh, this, uh, come on guys. Uh, I mean, me, I really love some cheesy stuff. It was good. Because I because the the guy who loves the cheese loved it, but yeah. it's not a movie that I'd probably watch over and over again. That's kind of how I judge things. Like if I watch it over and over again, and I'm like cool with it, or if it bothers me, then I'm like it's not it's not good. So and then when Legend of Korra came, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is exactly what I needed. I need this. 
So now yeah. I I need I need that book to happen, man. That needs to yeah. happen. <laughs> well, the problem though is that when I wrote it, I wrote it on IGN because they had this blog service. And it was like uh-huh. you know free and easy to reach people. And then out of the blue, one day they shut down the whole blog <laughs> and it didn't get to save the whole story oh, so no. i've got yeah so like the final chapters are lost to the internet and oh, so they're the, they right. stole it that's what they did pretty, pretty yeah. much but yeah. <laughs> they stole it they have it somewhere so they can sit on and use it later i wrote them i'm like can you bring it back up for like a day so i can, <laughs> can, I can save my stuff and like i never heard back that's Stupid funny idea. <laughs> that's crazy all right so tell us a little bit about guardians you mentioned guardians earlier yeah, that was my first. That was my first comic book series. It was about uh, two superheroes created by a deity to protect a city in need. They were given great power, perfect control of their power, zero people skills. <laughs> and uh, what happens is they live on the top of this watchtower in the middle of the city, and they go and they all they do is they wait to be needed. Then they'll go down, save the day, and come right back because it's all they know how to do. And as time goes on, they start to ask themselves, is there more to our lives than just this purpose? Mm-hmm. One says yes, one says no, supervillains start showing up, and the fun begins. Sweet. That sounds like a really cool story. Yep. <laughs> That's a crazy dynamic. I had a buddy who was talking about Guardians, and he he really absolutely loved the series. And I actually started looking it up on Comixology when he, when he uh, told me about it. And I'm like, I am totally going to uh, purchase some of these books so that I can read it. I, I gotta, I gotta focus and get the rest on there. I, <laughs> I stopped after a while because I wasn't like making a lot on comicology, uh, but it, right, which is not a problem. It's a, I'm, I'm a small fish in a big pond, which is fine. <laughs> but uh, it, what, go ahead and check them out, and if you like them, I'll just send you the rest for free. I don't mind. <laughs> it's all good, man. I'm, I'm one of those guys. Like, hey, I'll definitely, if it's worth it, and it's a great story. I'll definitely pay for it. That's not, that's yeah. not a big thing to me at all. Well, I also have it on Amazon if you want physical copies. So, oh, just saying. Okay, I think I'm gonna look that up. I gotta yeah, just. I'll send you a link. I have yeah. an author page. Great, great. That's awesome. I'll take a look, and then and then well, what we'll do is we'll even throw that on the show, in the show notes, so that everybody can see that as well. Sounds so, great. so give us a quick uh, logline of Guardians, so that every, we've been talking about it. Everybody needs to know about it now. Well, uh, the logline is they asked for angels, they prayed for saviors, and what they got for Guardians. So you get what you need, not exactly what you asked for. And <laughs> it creates it creates a fun story. It's actually the longest story I've written so far in terms of comics. It's 20 issues long at present. Then we took okay. a hiatus to do my other comic series. Mm-hmm. So uh, when it comes back, I'll be picking up right where I left off. So my current series is a Tokyo Blade Detectives, mm-hmm. which I'm going to be launching a Kickstarter for on Saturday. So. Sweet. Yeah, this one, I was looking through this one, and it, dude, the artwork is actually pretty good. I'm, I've not, so I'm not the type. Of, I'll watch anime, like yeah. in in film and, and and TV like that, but I've never really kind of went over to like anime manga type style comic books. So when I was looking through this one, I was like, this is actually this is not bad. This is not like because you, you, there's some mangas you're just like, mm, I can't I can't follow this. I can't do this. This wasn't bad at all, and, and I I liked it. I liked it quite a bit, and I actually thought I was, I was like, this artwork is really good. Uh, the storyline's awesome, uh, the, and and I just it was it was really good. And I was it surprised myself because I'm not really into this type of stuff uh, usually. But I was like, okay, I think I could probably get into this. So yeah, really really cool. So tell us a little bit about uh, Tokyo De- uh, Blade Detectives. So Tokyo Blade Detectives is about uh, Japan 200 years from now, give or take. They have been ravaged by war, both from external and internal forces. They, the country's basically been burned to the ground and rebuilt with, with technology. 
And so to try and get back to what they had as, you know, an ancient superpower, if you will, they they were kind of revert to their more feudal ways, as in feudal Japan. Yeah. And uh, but they're also still infused with technology. And so to keep the peace, if you will, they do a few things. And the biggest one is a law that no one can break. No guns allowed. Yeah. So now that creates a power vacuum. So what they did was they made a <clears throat> laser swords. laser swords totally not the other thing you're thinking of it's laser swords but the problem with that is that it causes uh, a reverse power vacuum in that there are factions that rise up to challenge the government each with their own ideals of what japan should be Mm -hmm. and so especially in the capital of tokyo everything's just in chaos there's battles and skirmishes happening like every single day and the people are caught in the crossfire and one of those people is a 16 year old girl named miko who is trying to make it through the days as a detective and she gets a case that's going to change everything so yeah and this this is a wonderful story and like i said i'm not usually into these kinds of uh comic books but the story was such a good story i said no guns awesome looking swords i'm in so <laughs> and and freaking laser swords man come on laser swords <laughs> that's yeah right <laughs> well that was the that was the hardest thing at first uh because i'll tell you the origin a little later but the question was is that if i wanted to do you know futuristic japan the mm-hmm. easiest answer is to do like tricked out guns you know like cowboy yeah. bebop and outlaw star and yeah, all like, of them mm-hmm. you know how big and crazy can you make the guns and like well everyone's done that so right. why don't i just get rid of them <laughs> so and suddenly and suddenly we have a new dynamic so yeah yeah it, for me. something so simple becomes something pretty complex actually and and it's really really cool uh yeah. i thought it was really interesting when it when i read the log line and all that kind of stuff so super cool super awesome awesome um so so uh, how how far have you gotten you how many uh arcs have you done to this one so far what are you gonna this kickstart the one that you the two that you read are the first two issues that we have made okay. uh issue three is the one that's about to go on kickstarter awesome. and once we do issue four we'll be done with the first arc okay so we're still in the beginning phases but we're, we're slowly growing it, and i'm happy with where it's going so far but i have so many arcs planned <laughs> like awesome. i'm thinking way down the line yeah, it, it gets like... crazy it gets anime crazy uh- so. <laughs> Well, you have to, man. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta map the whole thing out. So, I need to know. Everybody talks about Kickstarter. How successful was your Kickstarter? And you put the other two on Kickstarter, right? Yes. How successful were they? Well, I'm not gonna lie. This one, uh, this series in particular, was one I was very nervous about for the reasons you just said. Because while I made it to be an anime comic, would people read? an anime comic because you know we got anime's got the loyal fan base we all know that but this isn't you know my hero and this isn't dragon ball or Mm -hmm. bebop or sailor moon even or or all of them so i was like would i be able to appeal to those fans so i put a modest goal out there and it crushed it and i was very happy and then the second issue was like oh i'm probably gonna have a drop off and i had a little bit of one but we Uh still you know crushed the goal and yeah uh, I'm fully I'm fully expecting to do the same with three if for no other reason than I'm promoting really hard just to make sure we get through this one. Yeah. So uh, it's it's been successful. It's stressful every time, even when I've made the goal <laughs> in record time. Yeah. But, you know, Kickstarter by nature is uh, stressed from start to finish. <laughs> right. And I'll give you a great example. The second one, uh, I started it on February 7th. No. 14th sorry 14th because I, I had a little bit of a delay and i was like oh this will be fine what could possibly happen within between february 14th and march 14th 
2020. And that was right when COVID started happening. Oh, man. Yeah. So I got <laughs> lucky in that only like one person had to back out. And oh. it was actually one of my bigger backers. So yeah. I, I, it was a little bit of a hit. But yeah. if I had gone on a few more weeks, I'm sure those pledges would have dropped because of yeah. you know, the lockdown and everything. So I got lucky. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, we've had a handful of friends who were on the show and off the show that have done Kickstarters and one even launched a Kickstarter in the middle of it. Well, close the door towards the, I don't know, was there even an end, but I was still going right. I was going to say in the end, but I don't, I think we, we are living in the end, but there's no end to this in sight at least. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. And, and it's hard to, to kickstart something or begins a business or something like that in a pandemic type situation. So uh, it's it's absolutely crazy. And man, yeah, I mean, you, you, you can't gauge whether you would be successful or unsuccessful in this kind of time because you just don't you like people who would back it are hurting. Uh, and, and it's just it's it's just a difficult time and situation to be in right now. And that's why for number three, um, I, I've lowered the I've done the lowest goal I've ever done. It's going to be like seven hundred and fifty dollars. OK. And wow. uh, I'm literally telling I even wrote on the Kickstarter. If you can only pledge five bucks, if you can only pledge ten bucks, yeah. it's fine. I totally get it. This is a pandemic. You know, people are hurting. And yeah. I've had people say, oh, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm going to be fine. And that's great. But I know that people who won't be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for those listening and it's like, oh, I might only have like, you know, three bucks to spend. I've got yeah. rewards for that, including getting the uh, the comic digitally for three bucks. Oh wow! So you okay. know, I'll take 150 people pledging five bucks. I don't care. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So so how so how do you feel about that? Because that's I, I I think that's probably the lowest that I've ever heard anybody doing a Kickstarter for 750 dollars. That's absolutely crazy. Well, it's and, just. I'm trying to be fair, and yeah. ironically enough, I'm one of the few people I think that who are doing okay in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. My my job was already work from home, so I wasn't yeah. drastically affected. Okay, so I was able to put a little more money in and get like more pages done mm-hmm. to take the burden off the backers. And this is to you know help finish up the comic and uh, then do shipping and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's not that much of a strain. Yeah, and. I'm just, again, I'm just trying to help people out because I know some people who are you know eager for this to come out, but others are like, well, I can't do 50 like I did last time. And I'm like, that's fine. Can you do five? I'll take five. I don't, I don't yeah. mind. So, yeah. wow. Yeah. And you have to consider it's absolutely, the, the world is flipped upside down right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I feel like I want to stop saying that in all these shows because that's usually what it goes to, but it's our life. You can't, you can't not talk about it. It's, it's yeah. our life right now. And it's crazy. Well, the, so. the, the thing is, is that if the pandemic didn't happen like it did, I probably would have already been either almost done with this Kickstarter mm-hmm. or I would have already had it done already. Because the plan was to launch it either June 1st or July 1st. Okay. Because I was I was doing like a quick rotation and my artist, Lon Vuvan, was just killing it on the art. We had uh-huh. done yeah. uh, all the shipping done and blah, blah, blah. And so like that was when I was supposed to start. But mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way I'm going to do this during you know the biggest part of the, of the lockdown. And I'm only doing it now because I feel like, you know, the burdens have lessened in certain states and areas and, mm-hmm. you know, people have had time to at least recover a little. Yeah, and at least a little bit. So. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I, I I can't stress enough how crazy this place is right now. And I, I, I don't know how I would I would uh, be in your shoes right now to <laughs> to to because, you know, Kickstarters are already super stressful to begin with out of a pandemic not in a pandemic at all and you're launching something in a pandemic 
anybody who is like building something that that would have been super successful on a normal day that may not be as successful now and you just got to it's and i understand why you do the 750 goal to to consider hey people are hurting not a lot of people are going to want to give me money for something that's that's that they don't see as necessary i mean yeah be realistic here right yeah it's very realistic so uh it's 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 crazy man and it's super stressful already because you're just like oh this is my thing this is my <laughs> it's my life on the line here kind of a thing oh, not on life on the line, but it's <laughs> it's what's been keeping me going during the pandemic in certain ways because you know if i wasn't having making a comic i'd be like what am i exactly am i doing right now so yeah yeah uh, tokyo has been keeping me going in certain ways and i know that um people are you know hungry for new content Oh, yeah. So I know that there will definitely be some people to pledge just so they can have say I got I want I get a new comic out of this and yeah no you know. right now like I had to do the same thing I had to stop I had to cut my pull list in the shops because of what what had happened and um and I get my stuff either digitally now or I order straight from the artist or creator and even even some press companies I order from <laughs> but. <laughs> where I was spending 50 bucks a, a week or every two weeks, I'm not spending anything like that anymore. I'm so behind on, on the pulls that I, that I did have. And, and, and I feel like a lot of people are kind of backing down on, on some of these kinds of things, but you're right. We are starving for content. We are starving for something new because we haven't had it for such a long time. Yeah. And uh, it's absolutely crazy that this is happening right now, but We'll make it through, right? Well, we're we, we're resilient, man, and and yeah. and the comic book industry is the same thing, exactly. Yeah. We're like we're like X Men. We adapt to survive. <laughs> exactly. Breaking news. Well, not really, but we are going to interrupt the regularly broadcast episode with Todd Black to bring you a very special small segment. These are going to be spread out between a few different episodes coming in the near future. But we're going to hear from a living legend. Brian Augustine, and I'm going to call this segment Pro Tips. Hey, it's Brian Augustine, writer, editor, living legend. And here's a pro tip, especially for uh, wannabe writers, uh, for those who want to tell stories, uh, you know, do what I do and steal my job. Here's the deal. Everyone knows, I hope, that uh, when it comes to story, uh, basically what you want to do is consider it as a three-act a play, a, a film uh, things on television, this is a basic story structure, the beginning, the middle, the end. What you want to do is consider the act one as the introduction of the conflict, introduction of the characters. Uh, in act two, everything escalates, uh, perhaps uh, comes to uh, a near catastrophe. And then in act three, you resolve, uh, come to a happy ending or a sad ending or a disaster. But the fact is, consider always the stories you're telling uh, as a three-act play. Now, they use this in film. They use this on television. Um, for comic writing, especially if you're writing a basic monthly 20-page, uh, 22-page story, um, I've always used the model of, frankly, a sitcom. Whether it's a comedy or not that I'm trying to achieve, the sitcom provides a really good use of the three-act structure in short form. So you look at an episode of Seinfeld or 
the, the office or any of that kind of stuff, uh, they follow the same deal. Introduce the, the situation, the conflict, the characters, uh, escalate, resolve. But it's done very much in short form because they have a grand total of, I don't know, 22 minutes to tell uh, to tell their story that fits in a half an hour time slot. Um, but also because of those constraints, I believe that the very best sitcoms uh, use this structure very tightly. And it's a good place to learn by studying um, before, you know, doing. Anyway, this may all be very obvious stuff, but it's my attempt to give you a pro tip on writing. I think next time I'll talk about how to, uh, how to be a comic book artist, how to break in. Uh, but for now, here's a, again, a perhaps useless tip. Three acts, sitcoms, write a story. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you again, Brian Gustin, for that really cool pro tip. Now let's take a small break, and when we come back, we'll talk to Todd Black. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's jump right back into our broadcast with Todd Black. All right, man. So, so talk to me about about uh, some some of this stuff. I, I assume you are a lifelong fan of comic books, right? Uh, lifelong's a little bit of a stretch because I grew up watching like superhero cartoons. Okay. Like, you know, Batman, TAS, Superman, Justice yeah. League, uh, X-Men, all of them. And but comics wise, I didn't get into it until I was eighteen because oh, I didn't wow. know if I had a comic book shop near me. Okay. So I, I there was a, a Marvel event called Dark Rain about to come out. Uh and I was like, oh, that shit kinda sounds cool. I should yeah. look up to see if I have a comic book shop. And sure enough, there's like one ten minutes away from me. I'm like, <laughs> oh, all this time. So that's when I got started getting into it and uh I haven't stopped since. So I'm about twelve years now into uh-huh. comics. So okay. I've seen a lot of the good stuff in the in the recent decade or so. Wow, that's cool, man. Yeah. Uh what was so what was your first comic book that you ever purchased? Uh, I believe actually it was Dark Rain number one, but okay. I also got a uh, Thunderbolts number one twenty eight, which is right at the end of the previous the Secret Invasion arc, okay, and heading into the uh, the Dark Rain arc, and then I got a, a Batman comic that was right before Battle for the Cowl, which mm. is one of my favorite yeah. arcs ever. And let's see, uh, then I just started like picking up things based on whether I felt I could get into it because that was my biggest problem was that I came into late. So yeah. in like the battle for the cattle thing, that's easy to get into. Batman's dead from Final Crisis. Everyone right. knew that. Let's move on. Uh, but like I couldn't get into Justice League because I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Uh, Superman and all of them, Spider Man and, and all that. And then uh, when the new Fifty Two happened, I'm like, oh, finally, a whole bunch of number ones. So <laughs> I picked up like all the all of the one number ones yeah. that I felt I would enjoy. And I did the same thing with Marvel when they did their infinite number of reboots and resets and all that. Yeah. How does Squirrel Girl get two number ones in a year? These are the questions <laughs> that will keep us up at night. I'm not gonna even touch that one, man, because I yeah. got. Some... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm kind of the same way. When I was a kid, 
I uh, we had we didn't have a comic shop anywhere near us, and but I lived in a small town in California, like inland. We were like in in uh, in the valley, in the smack dab in the middle of the of the state, and there was no shop around us. But luckily, there was an ice cream shop who had a vast uh, variety of uh, magazines, and they had a small little comic book section. So what I did was I would go in there and I'd go rifle through the comic books. They had the spinner racks. They had a small little arcade in the back. So it was kind of like the go-to spot in town because there was nothing like that in town. So I went and picked up my first comic book there. And my first comic book, and it was a few years after it had come out. I don't know how it was still on the rack, probably because nobody knew anything about it because it wasn't a comic shop. It was uh, it was X Men of uh, Volume Two, Number One, the Jim uh, Jim Lee covers and all that stuff. And I picked that one up. That was my first comic book that I had ever picked up, and it was in the nineties. I was a little bit younger, and I was like in my teenage years. Stopped for a long time, and then I got right back into it in my adulthood. And so, so I'm kind of like right there where you and I, and I got back into it around, uh, the same time, like around, um, new 52 time, like area era there. So, uh, so I'm kind of the same way. I, there was a big gap and then, and then I picked it back up in my adulthood. So I, and I felt the same way, man. I was like, I don't know what the heck is going on. And the new 52 came up and the boom. And then I stopped for a long time again. <laughs> so there's always those those gaps in my in my life where I was like I didn't read a lot, so I didn't really know what was going on. And it happens. I mean, it happens. Yeah, it's totally fine. I mean, you got to do like I've stopped comics cuz I was just like I'm tired of these storylines and everything. I'm I'm almost there with with one comic right now. That's actually made <laughs> yeah. by a legendary creator and I'm just like you're supposed to be a legend and you write yeah. this crap. So. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read Batman in quite a bit. So I'm the same uh, way. I'm just like, yeah, I, a lot. I think the last time that I read a Batman book was when uh, Tom King was doing it. And I was like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> and then now we got, um, we got Tynan writing and I was like, and I'm like, Ooh, I kind of want to read that because I've liked a lot of his stuff. I like everybody's in love with freaking uh, something is killing the children right now. Right. Yeah. What's your favorite indie comic that you're reading right now? Indie comic? Yeah. Uh, ooh, I, don't, I don't know. I've I've got so many friends making indie comics. Um, okay. I've got a friend named Matt Knowles. He's he's got one up for one of his books. I actually kind of enjoyed, but now I'm not I'm not gonna pick because I got so many indie friends. I mean, like I I like the crew from Sourcepoint Press. They've got a lot of good stuff, and uh, like my, my editor, actually, uh, Casey Pierce, she's, she works for source point press. She does, uh, Nora and Cirrus and all of them. And Bob Saley does salvagers. He's incredible. So there's, there's a lot of good indie comics out there. If you, if you know where to look, including my stuff, obviously. So yeah, we, I've had, um, I'm going to actually have Casey on in the near future here. Uh, so, so, and I read her book, Nora, that one was, was one of my favorites right now too. Source Pro Press is killing it. Scout is killing it right now. Oh yeah. So and I'm just happy to add to it with Tokyo Blade Detective. Yeah. So. This one this one uh is really good looking and and man, I gotta tell you, it's it's a really great story. I'm excited for it. I can't wait. Um I can't wait to crack it crack open the third one, man. 
Yeah. Well, I'll look forward to your push on my Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I'm always I'm always down. If I can if I could pledge some money, I'm always down to do that if I can if I can spare the spare the cost. And <laughs> and it sounds like, dude, you got you you have some really great tiers. Three bucks for a digital. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, and then for anyone listening and and if you're interested in, you know, catching up on the series, I have a five dollar reward where you'll get all three issues uh for five dollars. So like digitally. That. That's and not then, uh, that's not bad at all. Yeah, and then if you want a physical copy, we have a ten dollar tier where you can get you know number three, or a twenty dollar tier where you can get one through three physically. And then wow. I also have rewards where you can get every single comic I have ever made. Whoa! So okay, digitally or physically. So wow. You can also get drawn to the comic if anybody's interested. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Those are always fun when you do those kinds of things. Where you're like, I'm gonna pledge for that. Get me into the comic book. And and you always get to see yourself kind of uh, drawn as as a uh, in your case in this one you get an anime character with a really freaking cool sword. <laughs> yeah, it's it's my most popular reward. I've done it since the uh, sorry since home, uh-huh. uh, which launched on Kickstarter, and I've kept it ever since because people just want to be a comic book. Who do? Yeah, so. it's it's super cool, man. I, I I've never done anything like that where have, where I've put myself into a comic book, but I've had friends who've done it, and, it, and it's really cool. Yeah, I've also had friends uh, get their names in the comic books and stuff like that. So, I have that too. Yeah. I have a thank you page where we'll put you put everyone in a fifteen dollar tier or higher yeah. to thank them for supporting us. That's always really cool to see yourself in there and stuff like that, especially yeah. you know when you're helping out somebody who is creating some freaking cool content. So, what is your all time favorite comic or manga? Oh, that that's a tough one because I read some good stuff. I'm gonna have to go with the classic. That's uh, Battle for the Cow. Okay. Uh, because yeah. Th- this was the one that you know they had been teasing for a while. They they did Final Crisis where Batman died, right? <laughs> and they're like, "Well, how's this?" Because you know when you kill Batman, the first thought is, "Well, what's going to happen now?" Yeah. And so they did Battle for the Cow. They put you know Dick versus Jason Todd and uh, Tim Drake against one another to see who would be the Batman. And then all the villains came out to play, and it just created this great paradigm, and it was very stunning visually. And for Dick Grayson to finally embrace his destiny of being Batman Mm -hmm. for all of two years, and uh, (laughs) that was just a really cool moment. And I I liked it visually. I'm stunned that they've never done an an animated movie about this because it's right there. Right. I mean, it's it's crazy stuff. But, you know, one day, one day. Yeah, I mean, I, we say the same thing about uh, some really great stuff, and then they give us what they give us, right? <laughs> yeah, some, at times, yeah. But, uh, sometimes they get it right, like Under the Red Hood, like that yeah, was just celebrated an anniversary, and that was really good. Or Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. Oh, gosh, Mask of the Phantasm. That or a so Batman good. Beyond Return of the Joker. Yeah, that was good. So, so it, you bring that one up. Did you Have you heard all the rumors that's been going around on, on around this? I have not. So the rumors is is that that they want to do a live action Batman Beyond oh, movie. Yeah, because Michael Keaton got cast in Flashpoint. Yeah, that yeah. I have heard. So and, then, uh, and yeah. that's that's been an eternal rumor that everyone supports because it's like, why right. not? He's right. old enough now. And that's the one thing that that they haven't done yet, right? And every and it's because everybody's like, stop doing Batman, do something good, better. I mean, it's good, but stop doing Batman. <laughs> they yeah. want I I I've wanted Batman Beyond for quite some time too, but you need to do it right. Yeah. I, I've heard that that if they uh, fans have predicted that if they're gonna do a Joker, yeah, Return of the Joker, 
They're gonna add, they're gonna adapt that into film, and they're like Johnny Depp as Joker. I said, no, come on, stop, stop, because we've killed Joker now. Like we've killed his character. Like we've done it way too much. Let's yeah. just now now as like if we do the return of the Joker in the Batman Beyond, I'm just like, I don't know if I want to watch it now because he it's been the Joker's been done and it's been trampled over, man. <laughs> well, it's a, it's not just that, but that movie, as great as it was, and it was great, even though it, even though the like the at home version was apparently a lot more tame than the uncut <laughs> version, which uh dear friend of mine Dame uh, not dear friend, but uh man, I've talked to a lot of Dan Slot. He uh-huh. absolutely loves the uncut version. Oh really? But anyway, that's another story. But uh like, that that was a treat. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't need that, but we got it and it was cool. If they yeah. do Batman Beyond, they need to start with Blight or something at least close to it, mm-hmm. because that's the origin from the cartoon. And then they need to focus on that this is a different world. They occasionally tip their toes into the world in the main series, like with the Mr. Freeze arc, mm-hmm. which was fine. But, you know, the Joker was, you know, the icing on the cake. What would happen if, you know, Joker did come back? You know, what happened to Joker in this world? That was a great question that I got yeah. answered. Yeah. We don't need it in movie form because it shouldn't be like that in in terms of you know focusing on this new batman and the dynamic between him and bruce because that's mm-hmm. the whole show is terry mcginnis and bruce wayne right so I, while i understand people wanting that the return of the joker arc that should not be their idea for however many movies they want to do with this so right i, I agree it's not needed. And like you said, Joker has been done to death, especially in just the last few, you know, however many Batman movies where we had Heath Ledger, who was awesome. Jared Leto, who was, yeah. And then Joaquin Phoenix, who got a freaking Oscar. So come on. Yeah. Right. Leave it alone oh, now. We, you guys, yeah. you guys finally got it, got a Joker to get an Oscar. Leave it. Well, leave it alone. Well, leave it alone. T- well hold on. If, if, you, if you recall, though, Heath also got one. Yeah. But I never I, that one honestly never sat well with me. For being honest here, did he deserve it? Eh, I felt like it was. I felt like it was Hollywood overcompensating. Because yeah. did he do great? Sure, but did he deserve Best Supporting Actor? I don't really know. Yeah, that's that. I think, I think, I think it, they were just. I, I honestly feel like they were just sad about Heath dying, dying. the way he did, <laughs> and they're like, we should honor him more than just you know a photo reel. And it just so happened that everyone loved his Joker rule, his Joker role. So uh-huh. let's give yeah. him a, a posthumous yeah. Oscar. And it was a touching moment. I won't lie, but Joaquin's Joker was in not infinitely, but but better than Heath's, and so he deserved that uh, Oscar. And for me, mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson. Better than <laughs> I'm, I, Fight me, I dare you. (laughs) I think there's some of our listeners that have definitely disagreed with you on all levels there. I've lost a few Kickstarter backers, that's for sure. uh, (laughs) No, 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 please don't do that. Don't judge his, uh, his view of, of his favorite jokers and, and, and don't, don't, don't back out of his, his Kickstarter. And and if we're being honest here, and if we're being honest here, the reason that Return of the Joker worked, uh-huh. was it because they did, you know, a Batman Beyond Joker? Uh-huh. It's because they did the original Joker. They brought in Mark Hamill to an excellent Joker <laughs> one more time for all the children at home. <laughs> that's so. awesome. Dude, that's the best Mark Hamill Joker I've ever I've heard in a while. <laughs> that's I, awesome. <laughs> I, I'm surprised by how many people think I sound like him. I, it took me forever to get there, I, I swear. But, uh, uh, you know yeah. what they say? Make him laugh. Yeah, and you know what? I think he should be, uh, if they're going to bring a Joker in, he should be the Joker. In yeah, the, in he the, can't in do the... it without it. I mean, no offense to Mark, his body type is not <laughs> Joker. 
not especially not Batman Beyond Return of the Joker Joker because like that guy was well that's the premise that should be the premise he just he just got tired and he just started watching Netflix and eating chips all day right Netflix and chill (laughs) am I say chill I mean killing people I know that's Mr. Freeze's act but who cares There we go. We just found it for you guys. There you go. We we got we got the premise. <laughs> All right, Todd. I appreciate you coming on and hanging out with me here, man. It was My a pleasure. heck of a lot of fun. I got to hear your freaking Joker impression. That's awesome. The best Joker, I think. I I am. I would say. That's that's my favorite Joker. Of Top, course. Tops all live action Jokers. He's my Joker because that's what I grew up on, man. Yeah, same here. All, all right, right dude. Eternal. All right, yeah, dude. I don't. Conroy. I don't know how we 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 started talking about DC books and 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 DC stuff in an indie show, but whatever. Who that's who cares. That's it. That's whatever. It's my show. Anyway. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you on social media, where they can get your uh, your your book and Kickstarter and all that good stuff, and when it starts. All right. Well, uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm at uh, Author Todd Black. Uh, you actually had my link. You messaged on me earlier, so you yeah. can post it on there if you want. On Twitter, I am at Guardians underscore comic. Same on uh, Instagram. And uh, I have an Amazon page, uh, Todd Black Books, I believe it is. If not, you'll find me. But And then the Kickstarter for Tokyo Blade Detectives number three launches on August 1st. It'll be going to August 31st. So I'll give our dear host here the link so that he can yeah. spread it around, including on the info on the pages. So just go there, and I hope you'll help me make this successful. Awesome, awesome. You guys should check check it out because the, these, these tiers that he's mentioned today on the show – are super cool. He's got the lowest goal in that in a long time that I've had that I've heard. Uh, you, you guys got to go back to this. I'm looking at the book right now. It is such a gorgeous cover. Uh, really cool, cool premise. Go back, Tokyo Blade Detectives by Todd Black, and a handful of awesome, awesome artists and creators on here. So check it out. Head on over to his all his social media. Look at his old stuff. You can find his stuff on Comixology. So we'll see you guys next time right here on The House of Indie. Be safe. Thanks again for listening to The House of Indie. My name is Joey Galvez, and I'll see you later. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg, but their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now.